She left them and went to prepare tea. The brothers stood in front of the window. What I said about things looking bigger, one said. One might say the same about a person's life, don't you think? A life may look bigger when you're a child, and then later on... Narrower. Less impressive. I think so. But the other thought that the opposite might be true. At least on occasion. A friend told me about a teacher at school, he said. He was a very shy man, timid, ineffectual, and children mocked him. Then, later on, when he met him as an adult, he found out that this same teacher had been a well-known mountaineer, and a difficult route had been named after him. And Lars' life? I suspect that it was a very big one. A very big life led here. In this out-of-the-way place? Yes, in this sleepy little village. He paused. I suspect that our La was a real heroine. Their hostess had come back into the room carrying a tray. She put it down on a table and gestured to the circle of chintzy sofa and chairs. She had heard the last remark and agreed. Yes, La was definitely a heroine. She poured the tea. I assume that you know all about La. After all, she hesitated. But then she became ill, didn't she? Not so long after you left this place. You can't have been all that old when La died. One of the men stared out of the window. The other replied, I was seventeen. My brother was nineteen. She was a big part of our lives. We remember her with... Love said the older man. We remember her with love, and pride too. We wanted to hear what people here thought. That's why we've come. She looked at them over the rim of her teacup. By the time I came to this part of the world, you were all gone, she said. Lars' orchestra was already a thing of the past then, but people still talked about it. It was something the village had done, and they were proud of it. The person who bought this house from La was Mrs. Dart, and I bought the house from her estate, though I still think of this as La's house, you know. And that was what some people in the village still call it. Even people who never met La. It's still La's house to them. And her garden? said the driver. Yes, that was so important, she said. And he was responsible for that, you know, Felix, during the war... La dug up the lawn and planted whatever it was that she grew. Potatoes, I suppose. Beans. All of that formal garden was taken up, except for a small bit round the side of the house. She kept that as an ornamental garden. Felix helped. And afterwards, when all the fuss was over and people didn't have to grow so many vegetables, she put that lawn back in and replaced all the shrubs that she had taken up. They talked. Then, when they had finished their tea, she suggested that they walk the short distance to the church hall. It's a tin hall, she said as they approached it, made entirely of corrugated tin. They stood still for a few minutes and admired the modest building from the end of its path. The walls of tin had been painted in a colour somewhere between ochre and cream, and the roof was rust red. At one end of the building, the one facing them, there was a small veranda, dominated by a green door. I have a key, she said, reaching into a pocket. 
It's a privilege of being on the parish council. We can look inside. Not that there's much to see. They walked down the path. The lock, an old-fashioned one, was stiff and had to be coaxed into opening. But at last the door was pushed open and they found themselves standing in a vestibule. There was a notice board, a square of faded bays crisscrossed with tape, but no notices. A boot scraper with bristle and a metal bar, and that was all. She opened the inner door, which was unlocked. The air inside was cool, but with a slightly musty smell. Light filtered in through small windows that needed cleaning. Nowadays, she said, it's used for the school play and the occasional dance. We still have a village dance, you know. And the orchestra? She gestured about her. Under this very roof, right here, this is where the orchestra played, so I'm told.